Hi, I'm Tiffany Patlin, host of the Tiffany Talks Health and Wellness Podcast, where I discuss tools, tips, and techniques to heal your mind, body, and soul. I am on a godly mission to heal the world. to another episode of the Tiffany Talks Health and Wellness Podcast. Today's special guest is Dr. Jane Tornatore. Did I say that right? In Italy, we say Tornatore in the United States, but I like Tornatore. Oh, I can't say it like that. <laughs> That's too fancy for me. I'll just, yeah, I'll just leave it the way that you said it. Okay. <laughs> That's perfect. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today, Miss Dr. Jane. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm excited. Based on our previous conversations, this is going to be a good one. Yes, it is. And just to give you guys a little backstory about um, her, she's a brain geek and self-compassion expert hailing from Seattle, Washington. She's a highly sought after coach, therapist, speaker, and author specializing in working with intelligent, motivated, high achieving women who perpetually strive for self-improvement. She employs a refreshingly down-to-earth, humorous, and practical approach. With a master's degree from the University of Illinois, a PhD from the University of Minnesota, and a book titled, Everything is Perfect, <laughs> It's Not For Me, <laughs> a roadmap for self-acceptance, Dr. Tornatore's unique mythology empowers her clients to identify and overcome unconscious beliefs that hinder their progress, enabling them to make choices that truly enhance their well-being. And I just love the work that you do. I really do. And I'm just so grateful that you're here to grace us with your presence and to teach us everything it is that you know. Uh, <laughs> it might take a while to do everything. <laughs> yes, but you are an amazing guest after, you know, like we discussed meeting because I was going through your book. Um, it's an excellent book. And I just started, I haven't even read the whole thing, but from what I did read, I was highly, highly intrigued. And I really love the work that you're doing for other people because it is so needed as we spoke, you know, off screen tools. We need tools. tools. <laughs> because yes. life has a way of hitting us and we just don't know what to do. And so that's what you do. You help other people. So if you would, would you please share with us? you know, your backstory, what happened? Like, how did this, how did you get to this point in your life where now you're helping other people? Um, mostly because there's a, a, a term that I love. It's called wounded healer. Mm. And that is our deepest wounds can become our greatest gifts. And yeah. my background was full of a bit of trauma and I had to really learn um, how to function in the world in a normal way. And I need a lot of tools for that. So now I teach them because I learned a whole lot. I created some, I, I, I kind of 
rejiggered some so they work for me and and um that's what i'm all about is finding the tools that actually work for us because everybody has tools everybody has just do it this way and you'll be fine <laughs> then you try to do it and you're like no i'm not so, <laughs> so when we find the tools and 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 kind of massage them and morph them to work for us that's when they're the most powerful Yes, I, I agree with that because each each and every one of us is a unique individual. So what might work for me, might it just might not work for you. But what works for you might be like life-changing. Exactly. You know, that's why you're here today. Um, would you feel comfortable sharing with us maybe some of the trauma that you might have experienced in your past? Yeah. Well, there was violence in my in my background, in my family. So it wasn't a safe place to grow up. And we didn't really communicate as in the case of, you know, many times when there's violence, there's not like, oh, hey, this is a problem. Let's figure out what to do. How are you doing with this? Are you okay? How do I like none of that? So I became a therapist. Yay. (laughs) And the thing that really um, a story I like to share, which kind of one of the things I found with my clients and other people is that they think therapists and and, uh, coaches kind of have it all together. Like we're here giving these ideas. We have the answers because we've got life figured out, which one is never true, but two, it oh, it's, it's this one down, one up position of, I have the answers and I know, and you don't, and I need to give it to you. So I always like to tell the story because it humanizes me and other therapists and coaches is that, oh yeah, we all struggle. Yeah. Therapists and coaches just have a few more tools right? And then we, we pass them on. So I started my whole self-compassion, self-love journey in graduate school when I was dating somebody who left me for another woman. Mm. And I grew up, and I don't know that anybody ever said this to me, but I grew up with the belief that if I have a man who loves me, I am okay. If I don't, I'm not valuable. And that breakup, especially leaving me for somebody else, just sent me through a tailspin. Plus, I was in grad school. And that's just a really hard place to be, period. (laughs) Grad school is not where you go to be happy. So I was really, really, really depressed. And I was drinking a lot. And I was Mm. having suicidal thoughts. And so one day I was reading this book. And I can't remember the book name. I wish I could. Because it basically turned my life around. But I read this sentence that said, The other person hurt you once, maybe twice. You hurt yourself a thousand times every time you think about them. And I'm like, ow. The truth hurts. The truth, it it sucked. Because it had been like two or three months since I'd broken up with them at that point. And I was still drinking every day. I was still depressed. I was just like, I was just like moving through life without really living. And I read that and went, it's me. It's not him. I'm the one creating this pain. And so I was like, well, you know, now I'm very thankful for that boyfriend because he started me on my self-love journey. He's the one who shook me out of, oh, if I have a man, I'll I'll be okay. In fact, it was hysterical kind of like a couple weeks before we started breaking up when I was planning on getting married to him. Like we were on that track. A couple weeks before I was sitting in our shared apartment and I was sitting there going, well, I guess I'll never learn if I'm lovable without a man because I'm just going to be with him for the rest of my life. I li- and I really thought, okay, so I'm going to 
I'm going to give that goal up in this life. Two weeks later, it started falling apart. Mm. It's just like, oh, no, you're not, Jane. <laughs> you're here to learn to love yourself and you're not going to give up because I had the man. Therefore, I would never know if I was lovable by myself. So now I know I'm lovable by myself. So that kind of started me on that. I was already in school to become a therapist, but that's what set me on the, that's where I want to focus on. I want to help people love themselves because these beliefs we learned in a very young age are wrong. They're just wrong. I agree wholeheartedly. I really do. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of us women have thought that and, and even men, but you know, we're women. So, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so we know that more intimately. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, and, and it's, and I feel bad for us women. Like I see women out there, you know, especially on social media, sharing all these things and, and it just, it's heartbreaking. And I think I feel you on why you're so passionate about wanting to help other women learn that because you know, we're all precious and wonderful and amazing and unique, and we all have these amazing things to offer. It's just when we experience things in our past, it has a way to shape our future. Yeah. But unless we stand back and realize, like what you did, oh my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did something, but how did you respond to it? Yes, right. exactly. Exactly. One of my favorite quotes I give to my clients is how somebody treats you tells you about their relationship to themselves. Mm-hmm. How you respond tells you about your relationship to yourself. And that's that's it. That's it. We like to blame other people and we get to set boundaries and we get to say, oh, no, that's not OK. But if we're blaming them for our lives <clears throat> when we are adults incapable. Once we've hit that stage, then we need to look here and go, why am I putting up with it? Like, why do I think it's okay to be with this person or in this job or whatever? That's, that's, that's where we have the power to make the shift. Cause I don't know about you, but I frequently tried to change other people and it doesn't work super well. (laughs) Hasn't everyone? (laughs) We all have to learn the hard way. I don't know why we do that to ourselves. (laughs) I don't know. I once heard somebody say, a woman named Alison Armstrong, who who talks about the feminine and masculine, she said, she uses men and women. She said, women marry men expecting them to change. Men get together with women expecting they will stay the same. Hmm. And (laughs) it's funny because it's like nine times out of 10, the men doesn't change unless he really wants to, but it's not really a common thing. Right. But the women, here they go. Trying to turn <laughs> left and right, right and left. <laughs> They're like, come on, how do you come along? <laughs> yeah. And then you get, I know for me, I would get highly, deeply disappointed because I just didn't understand back then. I was like, but this is amazing. Like, this is good. This is awesome. Why don't you want this? Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And yet, you know, we still want to keep getting together for the most part. <laughs> and even same sex relationships there. I mean, it's also the same, like, will you change? No, don't change. I want you to change. No change is scary. I mean, it's whoever we get together with, we have these issues. Yeah. Yeah. So what There's are some people. of your favorite tools to teach people? Oh, one of my favorite, favorite, favorite 
is um, since we're talking about relationships, the whole, you know, a lot of times we are not a fit for people and they are not a fit for us. And we make it, or at least I learned that if I wasn't a fit, like I wasn't a fit for my, I really wasn't a fit for my ex, that, that guy I was talking to about. And um, I made it about me because I wasn't a fit for him. I was not good or I was not good enough. So one of my favorite tools is to say, it's about the fit. It's not about my value. Hmm. It's about what they like. It's not about my value. It's about what they want, but it's not about my value. It may not be what I want, but it's nothing to do with my value as a human being. And we, we, we mix the two a lot. If you don't want what I want, you don't love me or I'm not good enough for you to want it versus it just doesn't work for you. Whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, it doesn't work for them. So if we can just make that about them, it saves us so much angst. Mm-hmm. It's not about me. It's not about my value. It is about our fit. It is about we want different things. So not to clean dishes, you know. <laughs> so like not just don't take it personal and, you know, see it for what it is. Cause that's so true. I mean, wow. It's, it's really about your perspective, you know, shifting that mindset to, yes. cause I think maybe for some people it almost, be, it almost might be a victim mindset. Would you say? Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. And that's one, that's one of my bugaboos. I, I was just say, I frequently say, hello, victim. There you are. <laughs> Hi, you're there again. You're not right, but you're there again. And it's, it's that, talking to it. And one of the actual really good things about when we, as you talked earlier, you just notice and you're aware, and that makes the shift more easy to make because with the brain thing, when we are aware of something, we like naming our feelings is super helpful because it activates the medial frontal cortex. The, you know, when people say, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. And you're like, yeah, you, you don't though. When people say, I know, it's it's their left brain. And there's this this floored me. There are no connections between the left brain and the amygdala. So when we're freaking out, if we say, I know this is what I should do, it doesn't calm our reptilian brain at all, like our you know, fight or flight. But the medial frontal cortex, oh, I'm thinking I'm a victim here. That does have neural pathways to the amygdala. So when we activate this, we can actually calm our fight and flight down. So just naming it, oh, I'm being a victim again, <laughs> can start the process of just calming our brain down. Yeah, I really like that. I, I like how you um, describe that. I feel like I actually do that even to this day. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when, and I think that's the difference that's the power. I feel like that's power. Yes. Because if you experience something, old Tiffany, you know, full of trauma, victimized Tiffany, yep. Yep. wouldn't be able to see things. I, I didn't have that self-awareness. Mm-hmm. I can't see things that way. But then when you have those tools and you know, like you said, what am I feeling? That self-awareness is like, wait a minute, stop. Just yeah. stop. Yeah. And take a time out, step back and be like, okay, what's really, what's the truth here? What's yes. really happening? What am I feeling? What's going on? Yeah. It, it's so powerful because 
you're no longer a victim. A victim does, is powerless. They, they don't have, they're not in control. Right. But when you have those tools, it's like, I got this. I'm in control. I can see and choose how to respond. Yes. And I love the questions you ask. Wait a minute. What's the truth here? What's happening? Because that act activates the right brain curiosity. And try this sometime. Try to be judgmental and curious at the same time. Like, I think there's a shut off valve with curiosity. It just shuts off our, our judgmental part. So anytime I'm like, yeah, this is the truth. This is what's happening. I know this is right. Like anytime there's this, I'm right, they're wrong. There's no curiosity. And that's me acting from my hurt self, not my, mm. wait a minute, what is going on? What am I feeling in my body? Let me just be with this and see what's really happening here. We can't be judgmental. We can't be black and white when we're curious. I love that because I had somebody recently say that they feel like people who don't have that self-awareness, it has to do with their ego. They want to be right. They have to be right. And yes. they don't have that, like you said, that curiosity. It's like they won't allow themselves to be curious. Right. Because if we're curious, we can't know for sure. Because we're all just like, well, what's this about? And what else is there? And what else might be going on? And wait. There might be something like we're just on an endless little like what's happening here yeah. versus I know what's happening and it's bad because it's always bad. You know, when we're right or wrong, it's always bad. <laughs> it's never like I'm right that the world is perfect. Like it's never <laughs> like that. I'm right that I'm fabulous, fabulously loved. Like we never do that. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 very powerful to have that. What's one of your. um? What's one of your favorite transformation stories that you can share with us? I'm sure you have several, but can you share one with us about maybe someone that you worked with, they came to you and you just, they had that light bulb go off. Gosh, I think what I've been experiencing lately, since the pandemic, everybody is highly, mm -hmm. highly stressed. And there's a client of mine who's a super high achieving person. And, um, you know, as as people in general, and I think people who are like more perfectionist driven, we hate not knowing. Like not knowing to me is just like, I just want to know in the past, right? In the past, I've made the thing decide, like in boyfriends, I've said like, well, I'm not sure, so I'm going to stop it because I can't stand the, the thought that you might leave me, right? So I would break up because knowing was more, was, was, felt safer to me than living in the uncertainty. So we just don't like uncertainty. So she um, got fired and her marriage is ending and several people she loves are dying. Mm -hmm. And she's just like, I'm oddly okay. Cause she's done a lot of work on, like she really is fabulous at bringing in the curiosity of what is happening here? Am I, am I safe? Even though all this stuff is happening right now in this moment, I'm actually safe. So while she's going through a lot of, a lot of stuff in life that would send most people reeling, especially us control freaks, she's just like, yeah. it's weird. I'm, I mean, she's grieving and she's feeling it, but she's also not being taken away from the safeness of herself by the external events. And so, because I don't want to get, I can't get super specific, of course, with right. clients, but, but it's right. that dynamic of, 
Like one of the things I love is when we tap into our internal safeness, which is different than safety. You know, safety is like, it has to be this way so I feel okay. And you can tell people who don't feel safe inside because they're the ones, things have to be a certain way. You have to do it a certain way. This has to look a certain way. I have to eat a certain thing. I have to look a certain way. I have to do things like it's very controlled. And the more people are like that, the more I go, oh, honey, you don't feel safe inside because you're trying to set up the external world to, to create a sense of safeness. Mm-hmm. We've got this safeness is of, I don't know what's going to happen, but you know, I'll figure it out. Like you said earlier, something like, well, I'm capable. Now I'm capable. I can, and back when I was the victim, I wasn't capable, but now I am. I'm capable to be introspective, make choices, choose what's right for me, say no to what's wrong for me. That's our safeness. That's when we're like, life is going to throw stuff at us because it is. We are not, we're never going to be, my life is now perfect. I've got it figured out. I will no longer have any trouble. Right? <laughs> Although I kept thinking, if I was just good enough, I would, I would do that. I would get to that point. I was like, yeah, no, it's never going to happen. But I don't know what's going to happen, but I know that I'm with me. I've got tools. I've got people I can, or support I can reach out for. I'm going to figure it out. I'll be okay. And I'm here with me all along the road, right? I'm not going to abandon me like other people have, or like I have abandoned me in the past. And that's, that's, that's where we're powerful. Yes. I'm just like processing everything that you said with like all the work that I've done. And I, and I really like that. And I can see what you're saying that when you're trying, and I think that was me at one point where I was trying to control the external because, mm-hmm. and you're right, I did not feel safe inside. I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't know what that was. I didn't know that was possible. Right. But I can, I can definitely say that I, I have that sense of safety inside and, but I never really acknowledged that till you kind of like pointed it out the way that you did. I love how you did that. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that, awesome? Isn't that that's where our peace and contentment comes from. Like we all think we should be happy, happy for our brain. Our brain is not set to keep happy being happy. It's like, whatever, it's status quo. So if our goal is to be happy, we're constantly going to be failing because our brain cannot live in happy. It can spend more time in contentment. Like I'm okay. Things are okay. I'm pretty okay. Wow. I'm okay. Like one of my favorite things is I don't know. And I'm okay right in this moment, I'm okay. I don't know what's going to happen next week. I don't know how this thing I'm working on will come out, but I'm okay. And that's the safeness. Yeah. That that in itself is a powerful tool when everything is going crazy. Just stop and say, I don't know what's going on or I don't know why or whatever the case may be, but Mm -hmm. I'm okay. And I think there's something too, touching yourself, holding Absolutely. yourself right here. Mm-hmm. What, why is that? I think it activates. I think wherever we touch our brain focuses and go, Hey, what's here. Hey, let's activate. Like it, we're telling our brain where to focus in our body. So our heart is, I don't know why feels good. It does. Like, cool. you know, everybody says I'm speaking from my heart. What's your heart say? Like, yeah. I think our heart is more of our internal knowing our ego is, Here's what I should know. And here's what's right. And here's what's wrong. And here's who's stupid. And here's who's not. But our heart is like, I'm good. I just want to love. I just want to mm-hmm. open 
compassion and love. So by placing our hands there, we're reminding ourselves, oh, this is a part of me too. Yay. I'm okay. And I'm okay. Oh, I love that. So for any of you listeners out there, keep that. that that's golden nugget from Miss Dr. Jane Tornatore. Yeah, Life's crazy. Just put your hand on your heart and say, I don't know what's going on. I don't understand whatever that is for you. And I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm going to use that. I could have used that last month with everything that was going on. Right. right. I really do like that. I, I, that's, a, that's another tool in my toolbox. So thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> And it also brings us to the present moment because the present moment is the only way we can ever really affect change. If we're thinking about the past or the future, we can't change that. Like we can't do anything about that. The only time is this present moment. And this brings us present moment. I'm okay. I can't control the future. I really can't control the past. But right now there are no tigers. I've had enough to eat today. I'm good. I can breathe. Yay. I once had a friend who was going through some big stuff and he said, sometimes I go breath by breath. Like, okay, I was okay with that breath. Okay, I was okay with that. But like, that's how, that's how stressed he was. I and mean, then we've always got the breath. Yep. Yeah. Breath work is huge. Even oh. when we were talking about that a moment ago, I took a deep breath. And I was like, oh, yeah. In my back of my mind, I was like, we need to do that too. Take a deep breath when you say that. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I love that you mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. Our breath is our breath is amazing. Mm-hmm. And you it's talk awesome. about that in your book. Um, I don't think I do. I don't think I do. But one of the things about breath is why it's so powerful is it's for several reasons. One Deep breathing is the fastest way to process uh, cortisol in our body. So when we're stressed and our bodies go, like getting ready to fight or flee, um, deep breathing helps that move out of our system faster. And then every time we breathe in, we activate the sympathetic, which is the fight or flight. And every time we breathe out, we activate the parasympathetic, which is the rest, digest, heal. I'm okay. So with each breath, like this is why in yoga classes, they do breathe in and then breathe out for double count. Because every sympathetic, you are you have double time in parasympathetic. I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. And that's why singing and humming are good for you also. Because when you think about it, you sing and you hum, you breathe in. And you just keep going on and on. So it's a really nice... Uh, Sympathetic, parasympathetic exercise. So breath, you know, and plus one of the lovely things about breath, when we take big breaths with our belly, especially, and we're expanding our body, we're telling our body it's safe because when we're in danger, we inherently close in. We make ourselves smaller. We protect the vulnerable parts and we breathe very shallowly or not at all. Or not at all, or the free, right, right. So that's telling our body, it's not okay. You have to be very scared and very small and don't move for God's sakes because something bad's going to happen. But you breathe, expand, you are literally giving your body and you're bringing the information. I'm okay. If I can do this, I must be safe. There's Mm. no tiger. Someone might be yelling at me, but there's no tiger here. I can afford to open up. And the ventral vagal nerve, um, 
20% of the neurons go from our brain to our body. 80% of the pathways go from our body to our brain. So our body is a great way to shift our perspective when we're feeling scared, threatened, frightened, all that stressed. So using our breath is a really fast way to start to shift our brain. Oh, I love that you shared that. Thank you. Now, I know you might not have talked about breathing in your book, but I know you did talk about those neural pathways in your book. I did mm -hmm. see that. Um, would you care to share a little bit about your book so people know what that's about? Yeah. So I wrote a, a little book. It's like less than 50 pages long because, you know, I work with highly busy, stressed, perfectionist people. So it's some of the tools, it's some of the basic tools that I give every single one of my clients for to give us perspective and knowledge on how the brain works. Because if we know how it works, we can you more hack it to, to be the way we want to be versus I should be this way. And then we can't figure it out. It's like, oh, my brain works this way. Let's use that to create change. So it gives a little bit that it gives. So, and one of the things I love is when people know how we often feel and act and respond is natural. Like it's innate to us as human beings. They go, oh, you mean I'm not especially broken? I'm just human. Um, mm -hmm. I love that. It gives us self-compassion. And then I give lots of different tools for different perspectives, um, ways to be with our feelings that make them move faster, ways to cut down our anxiety. And I love it. Yes. I'm, I can't wait to finish reading it. Like you have your feelings model, repress, mm -hmm. feel, and feed. I was yeah. reading that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. When we just sit with our feelings, um, they pass so much faster than if we, we say like, oh, I don't want to feel it. Or of course I should feel it. That person's a moron. Of course I should be angry. We just keep the feelings churning. But if we just sit and focus on what we're actually physically feeling in our body, our feelings move much faster. It's like amazing. It's almost like a miracle when we actually sit down and do it. Yeah. I, I highly recommend this book for all of you listeners out there. Um, you can find it on her website at everydaylovemecom um, It's It seems like a great book and it's really short. So um, is it by chance on audio version? There's no audio version, but I'd like to do that someday. I'm with you. Me yeah. too. I have a book and I'm planning to do an audio version too. But the cool thing about her book is that it's short, so you can get through it fairly quickly. And right. there's a lot of tools in there. So I encourage you to get it. Visit her website. Thank you so much, Dr. Jane, for coming on today and sharing all of your golden nuggets. I learned a lot, so I'm very appreciative. And I hope you listeners out there feel the same way. Thank you so much. It was a delight. Thank you. And okay, you listeners, that's it for today. And we will see you on the next episode. Take care.